0: Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, Swim Swim co-founder, Olympic gold medalist, Mel Stewart. Joining us today, we've got a very, very special guest. She is the four-time open water head coach of the U.S. World Championship team. She's the 2020 open water head coach, 2021 Olympic open water head coach. Uh, she was with the USC Trojans for... 12 seasons associate head coach for four of those. Before that, she coached three seasons at her alma mater UNC. Uh, And Before that, she swam at UNC, had a number of accolades there collegiately in her own right. Catherine Case. Catherine, how's it going?
1: Hi, Coleman. Thank you.
2: Women in Aquatics uh, Award winner. Um, we we have to we have to drop that in. That's we we wanted to bring you on because you're being honored, and uh, we're, we're tr- we we just full disclosure in the background. We were trying to we were trying to understand the the meaning of this honor. And I, I'm i literally sitting here reading the history. I had no idea It went back to 1979. It has a long list of some of the greatest female coaches in swimming. So uh, congratulations.
1: Oh, thank you. Um, it, it is a great honor. And um, I feel fortunate to be in conversation with a lot of the past winners. And, um, you know, I think that uh, it, 2020 has been a really interesting year and we're all doing our best and uh, we keep learning. And, um, you know, when you when you get some good news, it's really it's good to celebrate it this year. So I'm excited and thank you so much.
0: So you are the 2020 woman in swimming uh, officially, and we're, we're going to get to the bottom of why, not, not that I'm questioning it. I, I know you're very deserving of this award, but <clears throat> I've never gotten the chance to really sit down and have a conversation with you, especially about your background in swimming, which again, like we said, is y- y- you've got deep roots and you've been doing this at a high level for a really long time. Um, So let's talk about your days at UNC. You were, you know, swimming the mile. You you were, you were a distance swimmer from day one. Um, What, what brought you to UNC and what drew you to distance swimming?
1: Sure. Well, I, I think you overinflated my um, my swimming career at UNC. I am a much better coach than I was athlete, but uh, I always loved swimming. I loved most of my coaches, um, the ones I didn't click with. I felt like I always learned something from them. Um, I was always a really hard worker. Uh, everything came naturally to my sister and she was always better than I was. Um, but I honestly just loved practice. I was coaching um A little swim school during college and my roommates would make fun of me and say, you know, I can't believe you're spending so much time at the pool. But honestly, I I did. I just love swimming and my degrees in education and psychology, um, which for me, that's, that is how I show up on deck, I believe. Um, And so I just honestly, I just keep finding my way. And I've been really fortunate. I loved my time at North Carolina. And, um, you know, when you coach at your alma mater, it's even more special because I feel like you get a chance to really know your university in a a different respect. You get to see things differently, um, sort of behind the scenes. And I, I got to watch great coaches there in all sports. Um, because of my open water opportunities, I I got to meet Dave Salo in 2007 at Pan Am's. Um, and he texted me in 2008 and said, are you interested in coming out to Southern California? I, I was like, oh, I don't know. I've been born and raised in North Carolina. Um, this is my home. But um, yeah, I, I had a really good girlfriend that lived there. And she said, oh, come on, give it a chance. So that's how I ended up at USC. Um, but I, I mean, my family still lives in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, that's always going to be a special place for me.
2: Where, 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 where in North Carolina?
1: My sister's in Chapel Hill and so are both my parents.
2: Nice. My soul is in North Carolina. North Carolina is a great place. Oh,
1: well, we, I live in the mountains. I've lived in the beach. Um, you know, grew up in the triad. So, yeah.
2: When, when it became cool, when I was a kid, all these little towns were about you know, 150, 200,000 people, but now it's blown up
1: completely, did, yes. uh,
2: completely off topic. Did, did, going to the, you know, swimming takes you everywhere. When you're a great coach, you, 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 you move and it seems like you have to move to, seems like you have to move to, to further your career. Did you feel like a, did you feel odd living in California? Did you, did it ever, did it ever, did, was it a comfortable sock or was it like, ah, oh, this is a little bit weird.
1: Um, honestly, I feel like I, I love saying I'm from North Carolina. Like I'm proud of my roots. I'm proud of my education. I, um, I love that my family's still there and, oh, I mean, the traffic was terrible and, uh, so many different things, you know, UNC is a public university and then USC is private. So, you know, I just had a lot to learn. Um, you know, recruiting was different there. Lifestyle was different there, but I really feel like I have grown as a coach because I did have the opportunity you know to have some different experiences um and you know i've always coached men and women and i think that's sort of helped me understand both sides of you know both genders and you know then i have a daughter and i think that added another level of understanding um myself you know and and how i coach um so at california you know, gave me some really great opportunities and great athletes. I mean, I remember I went out to look at USC's pool deck and I saw the record board and it's Janet Evans and Lenny Kraselberg. And I'm just, I was in awe. And so, and I think I'm, I'm very lucky. I got to be in the same place for a long time. Um, And so, um, you know, I've really tried to make the most of not getting stale or, um, you know, getting stuck in a rut. And open water, you know, being able to do that uh, really helped. And I do have to say I've been so fortunate to be with coaches that allowed me to go travel and be gone. I mean, you know, who really wants their assistant coach gone for three to four weeks and sometimes open water races and training camps. And, um, you know, the coaches I worked with at North Carolina and, and at USC, Dave, they, they were really supportive. And so I have to be grateful for them.
0: So let's let's get into that open water background a little bit. You said your first open water team, two thousand seven. How how do how do you get selected for something like that? Like what made you an optimal candidate in your eyes to head up open water? Um, you know, obviously you you swam distance in college, but um, was that what what drew
1: you to that event? Um, well, actually, it was 2005. And I was very lucky. I was in eastern North Carolina and coaching um, an athlete, Chip Peterson, and um, still a dear friend. Um, but I really just showed up on this pool deck. And I had had a swimming background. And, you know, I just I wanted to coach and it was a really small team, Carter at Currents. Um, and he was an open water stud. Um, and so I had never experienced open water before him um and so we learned a lot i think that process of understanding your athlete and what this sport is all about because it is different than pool swimming to an extent and um i think both of us were just really open to the journey and where it was going to take us and uh in 2005 he was selected to go to world championships um i really i uh mark schubert i think was the national team director at the time and called and said we'd love you to be an assistant coach and I was just a young coach was excited to be with the rest of the staff and it was Rick Walker and Denny Rither and Steve Munitones, um and Mike Schrader and honestly we just had the best time um, and I really I mean it helps to enjoy the experience when your athlete wins gold and silver so you know that definitely helped but I think that sort of set off on the path of like wow I'm hungry I want to learn more I I'm around great people. This is, this is fun. And so I, I think I continue to make myself available to opportunities.
2: For our listeners out there, a lot of people who, you know, we're all, we're all swimming nerds, but it's like there's, there's swimming and then there's breaststroke and then there's swimming. Sorry. I always I have to throw a under the bus at least once in every podcast there's swimming. And then there's, and then there's open water and I never understood open water. And, um, and I and, and, and until I went to some events, but what I loved about open water, from my my from being indoctrinated into the culture, was that not necessarily the fastest swimmer will win, the smarter swimmer will win, and I love that. And and then there's so many variables, there's a lot of lucks involved. Uh, Steve Munitono said that there is no one out there that has your depth of experience in open water on U.S. soil. Huge accolade. If anybody knows open water, if you have a question about open water, you go to this guy. Did, did you swim open water? You know, it's like, how, how do you, how do you coach open water? No. How do you, how do you do it? Where did this deep knowledge come from? Is it just student on students standing on the shore?
1: No, you know, it's, um, we're all still learning as coaches. And so I think it's more of like understanding and knowing the athletes that I've worked with. Um, and I mean, Haley Anderson has been on the national team, is it 11 straight years? I, you know, that that in her own right. Yeah, what Mel?
2: I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm gonna do some, I'm gonna go to the Googles and confirm that.
1: Okay. <laughs> Yes. I, you know, I think, um, anytime you get to work with an athlete like her, um, you know, OSU in 2012, I mean, they, they're great athletes. Um, and so part of it is also understanding and having a relationship with them and working with, you know, athletes that you have to really want to do open water. I mean, like you said, you can be the fastest pool trainer in the world. Um, there, it's it's different when you're diving into an ocean or, you know, all of a sudden you're like, where am I? What about the course? Did I miss my feed? Uh, Where's the finish line? How many loops is this course? Um, who, who are these people around me? And so there are, like you said, it's, it's a chess game. And I, I love that part about the racing strategy. And um, athletes, you know, they learn each time they race. And I think the thing I've tried to do is find out what I can about the athletes that I'm working with to figure out what, what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What can I, what have I seen? What can I help them with? Um, because, you know, there's no communication really with them throughout a race, except when they swim by a feeding dock and um, it's, it's the conversation and um, you know, John or came to visit me in 2005 and I've always just tried to stay and Talk to him as much as i can and understand because he's you know one of the best coaches i've ever known and to ever walk the earth um and i've just learned so much from watching him interact with his athletes um so you know i going back to your question i don't know that open water i i've again i've been lucky to work with a lot of different national teams a lot of different athletes and some want to go train open water two hours a day and then you know you have you know, Jordan Wilmowski maybe doesn't want to always go to open water and that's fine. You know, everybody's a little bit different. Um, so I try to account for the differences.
0: So, you know, you, you mentioned you got your educate, <clears throat> you got your degrees in education and psychology. That's your background that I mean, and that seems like, you know, from what you've said that that is open water, right? It's it's mm-hmm. all a chess game. Um you know, going into to X race, um, what what you know say let's say at a world championships, what are you telling that athlete? You know, what what are you preparing for? Because again, race strategy wise, and a two hundred freestyle, you know, you're the athlete and the coach have their plan. Um, how does that racing plan differ when you're going into a ten k?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of it does come down to the trust of the athlete and the coach, um, and in working through different scenarios and talking through if if this happens, you know, how are you going to respond? If if you know, if all of a sudden your plan was to lead and now you're in the back of the pack, how much energy do you use to get to where you know, the aforementioned spot that we talked about? Um, so it's sort of constantly evolves throughout the race um you know every coach has their thing and i think it's important to get on a course before you swim it and sort of see the the different buoys and and somebody at their first world championship i may tell them different advice than someone you know by now i mean healy's a pro she knows what she needs where she needs to be um it, you know there's i think it just depends and and i'll tell you two nationals like it nationals is different because you really uh need to qualify one first or second to make the world team in in the 10k um and so second is just as good as first it's a whole nother ball game when you're racing 70 athletes from all over the world i mean the rules they i mean i hate to say they change but yeah it's it's much different much more challenging and so being able to get experience racing internationally is really important um but again, I go back to 2005 and Chip had never done an international race in his life, but that race course was also a rowing basin and very flat water. So strategy is also going to come off what the, what the course is, is it salt water? It, you know, um, Rio was very wavy and we concerns about water quality and Tokyo is going to be flat and it's going to be really hot. So every coach is going to have a different strategy with their athlete. Um, and as you're walking up to the, you know, start, you just, you just got, they've just got to be confident. I mean, they got two hours to think or doubt themselves or be confident. And so having an athlete that can really uh, be vulnerable and talk about what happened during the race and maybe what they could have done differently. um, I think that's a really, I put a high value on that.
2: It feels like going to war. It feels like, it feels more like you're, you're more general. Is that, is, that, is that accurate?
1: Oh, yes. I mean, it is. It, you're right. You're, you're, the bag that I'm packing is much different for a 10K that morning than it is to go to the pool and you go to prelims. <laughs> but I think that's also what I like about it. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a really neat, unique, small-knit community. And even with the foreign athletes, you know, you get to know the coaches and you get to know the swimmers. And the respect grows over time.
2: And, and, and Coleman wants to nerd this up, and I'm going to let him nerd it up. But I do have to ask you this question. So you're you're all you're on the FINA coaches committee, and you're on USA Swimming. You chair USA Swimming's open water steering subcommittee. Um, is this just you've just got to be dialed in if you if you're in your position and you're leading Team USA? Um, and you know what, what what are you managing when you're you know on on shore when you're coaching, and what are you managing behind the scenes on these committees?
1: Sure. Um, on the committees, I mean, I'm with the steering committee with Open Water for USA. Where you know we're talking about how can we grow the sport? What what events do we need to have? What's our funding going to look like? And you know, a large part of that comes from Bryce Elser, and he's done a great job. You know, really figuring out over the last I think eight years what we need to really solidify ourselves as one of the top nations in open water. Um, and so. You know, with that, I think it's a conversations also with club coaches and college coaches that are actually coaching the athletes that are our potential metal hopes or national team, getting national team experience. Um, I'm a big fan of camps. I think camps are great. Um, and I know a lot of times, you know, coaches have a hard time sending their kid off to an open water camp because it's, uh, I'm not controlling the volume and I don't know what they're doing. And there are just a lot of different variables that you can't control. Um, so, you know, just trying to get a, a sense of pulse on open water swimming in the US and where we, what we need to do to, to be winning medals at the Olympic games um, and at world championships. And then um, with the FINA Coaches Committee, I mean, I think that was a unique opportunity these last four years. Um, There were two coaches from open water and I think about eight pool coaches. And I I mean, it's great to learn how FINA operates and um, just get some understanding of, you know, what do we need to do to work and understand um, how things get done. Um, And again, I,
2: I, I like the way you slowed that down a little bit. I just want to call you out. You slowed that down. We, we, we engaged FINA quite a bit, and we love FINA. You know, a lot of us are FINA babies. But uh, I just wanted to know. yeah, I, I, you slowed that down a little bit. And I, it sounds like you, you've, had to, you've had to maneuver. But I, I want to just get a little more specific. How, do, how does USA Swimming compare to other NGBs around the world in terms of their support of open water? You know, is, how, do, how do we stack up? Because it seems like you, you, you're up to your eyeballs in this, and, and, and it's not just coaching, you're, you're, um, you're building out Team USA.
1: Sure. I, I mean, I think one of the challenges we have is that we don't have a ton of race. We don't have a race series that is highly competitive on a regular basis. So if you want to compare, I mean, I have files of stats of finishes at World Championships, and the Europeans – you know, in the last couple of years have really, um, established themselves as the power in open water. Um, I think that has to do with they t- the athletes are tending to stay in the sport longer and, and they're a little bit older. You can find success. Um, I think we have a college system where if you have an athlete in college, you're, are you really going to send them to a trials April 5th after NCAAs? Um, so sort of looking at the whole quad and, and each year, um, I think we also need to make sure we're retaining our best athletes to get get them the experience they need to race. Um, Like I said, nationals is very different. You could have somebody that wins nationals and then you get to world championships. It is a whole nother ballgame. And if you don't have any intermediate racing experience, sometimes that that can be hard. Um, And you've gotta have an athlete that really is craving you know, that competition um to be really good at that level. How do you balance out, you know, pool nationals with when open water nationals is? Um we we have to travel. I mean to be honest, we were in Doha last February. Um and then we had a race in Seychelles on the schedule. I mean that is far, far to go. Um, and I would love for Fina to put together and you know, we all admit we want to have clusters of races. So whether it's three in the Americas, three in Europe, and then three in Asia, that would be great. Um, you give athletes an opportunity to race and maybe have, you know, a week in between to train. Um, and again, you, you know, you have to have coaches that are committed to being gone that time. You have to have athletes that are willing to be gone that long. Um, and so, you know, again, I think that we just have to find what's going to work for us. Cause I don't think we can compare to how the Italians do it or look at them and say, well, they're doing this. We need to do this. You know, we've got to use all of our advantages and figure out how how can we, you know, give our athletes the best chance to be competitive um and to be consistent.
0: So, you know, I think <clears throat> open like you said, open water lends itself to um athletes being able to age in the sport and, and have a little more longevity. You know, I know Haley Anderson is my age, I'm pretty sure she's 28. <laughs> Ashley Twitchell in her thirties, I know, um, you know, you had athletes like Osmaluli, but then you have, you know, sometimes you have young athletes who are, can be really successful as well. Um, at the age group level, 14, 16, which my question is, you know, Mel mentioned it being like war. There's so many variables, so much, you know, there's a lot of luck involved in any given race, two hours in your own head from your perspective. Um, what what motivates an athlete to want to get into open water? Because it's uh, it compared to maybe pool swimming, it sounds really rigorous and really challenging. Um, and so, and 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 very, uh, you know, like we said, a huge chess game so very mental. Um, what what do you see from your athletes' um, commonalities wise as to as to why they're pursuing open water?
1: Sure. Well, I think um, it's important if you're 14 or 16 to really, um, to make sure it's a positive experience. And that doesn't mean everybody's successful and everybody's a winner. That just means it's an experience that they enjoy that leaves them wanting to come back for more. Um, And so maybe starting out with a 10K in the ocean, mm, Against a highly competitive field, probably not the best way to get kids involved. But, you know, a couple open water swims here and there, um, a 5K race, a, a 1K, um, even a 3.5K in the pool. Maybe it's a competition and, you know, somebody thrives. And maybe you see something in an athlete as a coach, like, wow, this this kid can really go the extra mile or can really finish. I, um, I see a determination that I don't always see at the end of the 800. Um, so, little things like that, I think it's watching an athlete and seeing what they what do they get out of it, and how much more do they crave um, and yeah, like you said, it, it, you want it i think we we can still do a better job of retaining athletes um, fourteen to seventeen eighteen, and um, getting them interested in getting them opportunities, you know that they have fun I mean, you go on a national team, I think a lot of our you know, again, I always go back to this 25 K is a really, I mean, yeah. So that, that again is different than breaststroke or the 10 K 25 K, right? A lot of our athletes that have been at the Olympic games, swam their first event in open water worlds, the 25 K. So they hated it so much. They were like, I better get faster or do something different. Um, But also maybe they just enjoyed the team meals and that, the open water team of being eight to 10 people. And, you know, if they have a great experience, they want to come back and, and get on the national team again or get on the junior national team. I think that's important to keep relevant as well.
2: I think the beauty of open water, especially at the elite level, is with, with, with all your experience and your leadership now, at Team USA, I think the beauty of open water is this, when you're preparing to race, when you're preparing to, to go head to head, you're looking for people's weaknesses. Because <laughs> weaknesses are exploited massively in open water. And that's got to be a thrill. The strategy, it's, it's got to appeal to a certain type of athlete. And it obviously appeals to you. Um, I would like to be a fly on the wall uh, before these big competitions. You know, but, I'm, but I'm curious, You know, maybe it's the psychology background because it's all in your head. This is a, this is a huge hurdle. You know, how much of it is strategy and how much of it is... Um, you know, you're having a tough time right now. You're in online school, but and your and your boyfriend or your girlfriend just broke up with you. But you got to suck it up and make this happen. I I don't know how you balance that out.
1: Well, I think I I mean I've had um, water bottles thrown at me as as Haley has come through the feed because I wasn't standing where she thought I had said I would be. When actually she apologized after the race and said sorry, sorry. But I mean, I had some f bombs yelled at me. Um, you know. I, over, I think you're right. The excitement, you know, you're, you're watching the 5k at world championships or 10k and it's down to the last 600 or 800. And you have coaches from Brazil and France and Italy and everybody's pacing and some people are on their phone and, you know, you're texting, but you're going to drop your phone, but you better not because it's in the water. And yeah, I mean, it gets your heart pumping as a, as a coach, but also um, for the athletes, right? The thrill to, to have raced for 40 minutes or an hour and 40 minutes and have it all come down. <laughs> you know, it is kind of crazy to, to sometimes a half a second difference between first and 11th. Well, and, and that, you know, I'm
2: sorry, from a marketing standpoint, to me, it just seems like it would it'd be so much more interesting if you, if you could talk to your swimmer. <laughs> and, you could, and, and the audience could hear what's going on
1: well
2: you know drop in and hear that
1: but this is the thing no i'm not always right and so sometimes i would want to say like whoa what are they doing right now this is the wrong move and then 20 minutes later i'm like well actually they turned negative into a positive so i might have ruined it for them you know
2: (laughs) i like that i like it when people fail and then they (laughs) and then it's uh yeah. No, it, 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 it's gotta be exciting. It's gotta be exciting. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm hogging We're down, we're down to eight minutes. We're down to eight minutes. This is, this is, this is what, this is, you know, we're, we, I don't want to drop a bomb on you in the last, in the last eight minutes of our, of our podcast, but.
1: It's uh,
2: so you know. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I want to do it. No, I just, I, it's, we, we've had a lot of great women on, in, in you know, coaches uh, in, on the podcast. And it's a, just a, out of curiosity, it seems like swimming's great because you know if you're a woman, you can achieve exactly what a man can achieve in the pool. But in the coaching field, we we it doesn't seem like that's the case. It seems like it's a lot harder, and it seems like we have an imbalance in our community. Um, you have you've been a leader and a trailblazer. What are you doing to What are you doing to further that? What are you doing? Are you mentoring uh, other young women who are coaching? What's that experience like in your life?
1: Sure, I, I think you touch on a great topic. It's really, it has been um, difficult to make sure that I am being my best for the college team, that make sure that I am giving my all of the Open Water National team, to make sure that I am raising my daughter, um, and to make sure that I have friends and am keeping myself um, healthy as well. And so again, it's, it takes a village. I mean, it, it takes, you know, my family, uh, working with other great coaching staffs. So, you know, the entire staff when I was at North Carolina, USC, you know, really supportive. Um, I think at times I've had to work differently, but it took me a long time to realize or recognize what I needed to ask for so you know when Wednesday mornings just it I realized I was actually a horrible human to everybody around me you know I just had to say to Dave like I don't think I can come in on Wednesdays anymore I'm not doing a good job at anything I'm doing a lot of things not very well and I used to be proud that I was like this multitasker and I could do everything and like actually I've realized I, I am that's actually not the best way for me to work or operate um, and I really need to Focus on what burner I have up. And if it's coaching that day, then that's what it is. If it's a weekend with my family, that's exactly what it is. Um, but I have gotten to understand myself better over the years. And so having perspective um, and also not worrying so much all the time about other people, what they think, or um, somebody's reaction, I, um, I've i really honestly tried to be the best the best self that I can be. And I... I can't try to be anybody else. I can't be Dave. You know, I, I can't be Terry. I can't be, you know, and I have to say Cindy Gallagher has been a really great mentor for me and has always made time when I have questions or, um, I'm freaking out about something. She's all, you know, she and Terry both always make time to talk to me and I haven't been afraid to ask questions. I think sometimes women are afraid to ask, but, not just women, but anyone, I, I, mean, I have no problem going up to any coach and just figuring out what works for them. How do they do things that on their staff? Um, Cause you know, we're, we can, we can keep learning how to do things better and to be consistent and just kind of give ourselves a break at times.
2: Do, do, do you spend when you have downtime uh, you know, are you scrolling through Instagram or are you scrolling through Swim's database looking for the 11 and 12 year old, 13, 14 year old who's cranking it out in distance? What, does that ever do? You know, I'm wondering if you're searching for talent. Who's the next?
1: Oh, I, I was doing social media until I I watched The Social Dilemma, and now I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to get off all social media. Um, I I mean, I can't help. I'm always looking at Swim Swam regardless, and um, I don't know if you know, I have recently relocated to Idaho, so yeah, I'm here, and it's been great for my family, Um, and I thought like I was going to have a lot more time, Um, and actually now I am I'm actually helping out at Boise State, coaching some of the girls, and um, I'm going to be mentoring the coaches at my daughter's swim team, the Boise Swim Club. So I tried. I really thought I would have a couple months after 2020, and but you just can't stay away. I don't,
0: yeah, I don't think that's how the, the Olympic head coach's life goes. <laughs> I don't think you get time. <laughs>
1: And you know, now it's going to be more chunks of time, which I'm, I'm really good with because I feel like I, I have now I don't have college pulling at me and I will really be able to fully invest when I do travel or when I'm gone and be hundred percent invested with the athletes and, and team USA. And I have have more time for that.
2: I, I bungled my question and I want to, I want to bring it back because um, you didn't answer it. Do you look, are you looking for, do you are, do you go home, come comb the SWIMS database looking for young talent that's got it in distance? Does that, is it something, I mean, maybe you don't, maybe they just percolate and they show up and they're like, they got a nice little bow on them. But I, I didn't, I didn't know if you were researching. Uh,
1: no, you know, I mean, I think obviously you are always reading the, the highlights of things, but um, again, I, I think you, it's just, you have to see who is going to sort of, come to the top. It's more of like at nationals at an open water race or something. Um, but the other day I, I texted Bryce. I'm like, listen, is Zane going to be done after this year? Cause he was really good in the 5k and yeah. So, you know, you're constantly thinking of different athletes and, Oh, you know, we got to put together a good relay at open water worlds. And what, what, does our future look like? Because we have three awesome veterans going to Tokyo with Jordan, Ashley and Haley. And you know, the, the door's wide open after this. Um, and so hopefully, like you said, there's an 11 or 14 year old out there and maybe they get inspired.
2: We're down to two minutes, so I have to ask you this, a very serious question. Mostly, mostly swim parents and coaches listen to the podcast, It's a little older, so you can answer this completely honestly. Do you hate sprinters?
1: No. No. Are you kidding? I get to talk to them more. <laughs> I, one of my favorite people to work with, with, Jessica Hardy. I mean, she, you know, I learned so much from watching her, from watching her train um, and her attitude. And um, no, I mean, I, I think, look, open water kids have to sprint at the end, right? So I still have a lot to learn about that.
2: I was, I was waiting for you. I was, I was, you. I was waiting for you to, to drop Here's it. Mel, you're, you're, you're ignorant. The, the 10K <laughs> is a sprint.
1: <laughs> yes. I don't know why there can't be like at nationals, you know, a hundred, a hundred yard open water, just buoy to buoy. I mean, wouldn't that be great to see?
0: It's real swimming. I'd love it. I think that sounds great. Uh, we're down to our last minute. Um, Catherine, will you come back to the podcast if we have open water questions as we're getting closer to the Olympics, so you can give us, give us a good idea of what to expect, uh, in Tokyo, 2021.
1: Oh, I mean, I, i would love to tell you what i expect but um we we're still just with open water you know you wait to make sure that everything's set so do i think it's going to be in odiva bay i think so not sure still waiting to see i I mean i don't how does the olympic games look i don't know but i can tell you the athletes will be prepared to swim whatever the conditions are you know they're they're going to be able to swim in hot water they're going to be able to swim in the ocean or flat water whatever it is. And they all still have a chance to make the pool team as well. So, you know, I think that's going to be really exciting for all three of them.
0: You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.